0: along to our next conversation. Great today to be joined by Olivia Smith. Olivia is a historian who currently advises television documentaries and prior to that as well something she will be talking about was her time with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission as an intern during 2018. Uh, But that's enough from me, I'm going to pass over now to Olivia to introduce herself and say hello.
1: Hi Paul, yeah thank you so much for having me on this is really exciting yes, um, yeah so right now I'm basically a public historian working in TV. It's a fantastic project to be working on. I feel like for me definitely, we'll touch upon it a bit later on, project based work is very much suited for me um, so it's fantastic to be working on what I call
0: is quite an educational project for everyone. Olivia, one of the things that we've been asking pretty much everyone that we've spoke to so far is about their memories of studying history at school. What, what sticks out for you? What do you remember?
1: Oh, well, I loved history at school. It was always one of my favourite things. I think I had a fantastic, I think like everyone says it, a primary school teacher. And we used to do every year, like a Roman day or a Celtic day, Viking day, and we'd dress up. And I think for me, just that kind of creativity as a child really engaged me into the history of it. And I remember when I left primary school, I was, had to do a play and I played Queen Victoria. I could still hear the line up. I had one line, that was it. And all I had to say was, I am Queen Victoria. That was purely it as a child. And all those little things just really stuck with me. But as I kind of got a bit older, I think for me what really, really engaged it, which might not have been at school, but I think definitely inspired how I engaged with history at school. I grew up in a beautiful Victorian house and we had to move out when I was about eight. I was beyond traumatized as a young girl that we had to leave this house. And so from a young age, I then went and just conducted so much research on the house. And back then, that was the old PCs, Google was barely existing. So it was quite a bit of a project to do. And then it came to about high school, and we had to do a not um, an English project and everyone else is doing fictionalised projects. And I was just there thinking, I can't engage fiction, never have done. I'm sorry to anyone, I just, it's just not my thing. So I instead did a non-fiction project on the kind of Victorian history of where this house that I grew up in. And my teachers were just astounded. They were like, they just couldn't believe that I produced this work. And to me, it just like engaged. And I did actually, I think I got like an A in it. I did really well. And I started to realise I loved history and I could also do well at it, so when it came to GCSE, unlike everyone else in my class who didn't really engage, I remember being like one of only three people who loved history, and it was just exciting, exam time was exciting, I loved revising, all of it, I remember what really stood out for me in high school was we did the history of medicine, probably one of my favourite GCSE modules. And my teacher showed a clip from Hogwarts Histories of the Plague Doctor. And me and him were the only ones in the whole
0: class that really belly laughed at it. And I kind of knew at that moment I was a true history geek. During 2018, uh, you were one of the interns for the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. Um, Now, that's interesting that you're there essentially at the end of the the centenary period for the First World War. But tell, tell us about that. What was that experience like?
1: It was honestly one of the best
0: experiences
1: I've had so far. I feel so lucky to have been one of the interns. Um, I was actually going out to the battlefields before with the Western Front Association. A lovely chap called Andy Tonge was so kind and of, kind of took me under my, his wing and showed me around EPA. And I was out with him for the Armistice um, in 2017 and we were at the Menin Gate. And He introduced me to some interns there and afterwards I rang my dad up and I was like, I'm going to be one of them. I'm determined of it. And so I then applied for the internship. I found out I think a couple of days before Christmas in 2017 that I got the interview and so we then went in January for the group interview so they've narrowed down from like I think it was 120 people you've narrowed down to 40 and that 40 were in a big interview room and then they kind of go right here are our commissioners and you've got all the head commissioners there um, the historians and it's basically they went sell yourselves so in this room, and like this sort nervous me had to go up and just introduce loads of people. Luckily two of the historians, Max and Glenn, knew my dissertation supervisor really well. So I kind of had a bit of a conversation starter with them. And then after that, the morning, you go into like a group interview in the afternoon. And my group interview, I was with Victoria Wallace. So I was very nervous to have the director general kind of doing our interview. And she was sat next to me as well. And I saw she had like a piece of paper and she's making these notes. I couldn't decode her notes that's all to figure out what she's doing and I come out there thinking oh, it's a wonderful experience I don't know what's going to happen and a week later people who I was with on the interview had with messages saying I got it I got it and I literally was there like I haven't got an email I was so upset and I rang my mum I was in tears I was like oh, what did I do wrong and then I refreshed my emails and I got me I got it and I couldn't believe my luck and I was then tears of joy Um, It was fantastic when we went out in July, it was when we had that really, really hot heat wave. So our first two weeks when we moved there, because all the interns lived together in Arras um, for two weeks, and then you do your training. Uh, So we spent like days in the Somme, days in Ypres, and it was just fantastic, but so ridiculously hot at the same time. And after that, then they kind of, the Belgian lot go over to Ypres, and then the France lot, we all stayed and lived in Arras together. And it's phenomenal. And to start out, it was a bit daunting. I mean, a lot of us, some of them didn't know the histories because the commission wanted people who are more approachable to the everyday public. Because obviously you're a representative for the commission. You're in a public facing role. Um, the history came second, but we had fantastic teachers for our training. And it was really exciting to kind of the first time I we were all on site together was for the RBL one, um a pilgrimage the 90 years pilgrimage so we have hundreds and hundreds of people coming through and it was testing our knowledge of these people asking questions and it was a really good thing to be kind of thrown in the deep end for and that sets up for the rest of the summer we had the most beautiful weather because every day we were outside at tfl and i just the people you engaged with we all said with every single day was never the same at all you'd have school groups so one day you could be you know talking to a lovely couple and you're helping them find a great great aunt uncle on the memorial and then the next day you've got a bunch of 40 school kids there and i used to be a bit naughty and the head guard would tell me off because at the bottom of tip there's the old german front line the trenches there that you can go in so if i had school kids and i'd just kind of go come with me And I'd start my tours in the trenches there and to kind of give them a contextualisation of where they are and why the memorial was significant. And the head gardener kind of always used to give me a look and go, you shouldn't be doing that. And I used to think it's for their experience. I think because I used to do hospitality and you always taught the guest is always right. But I think I very much brought that mentality to, you know, the visitors are always right. You want to give them the best experience. So other than just school kids or lovely families who you'd meet all the time. I was really lucky, I think, in terms of my public engagement to meet other historical organisations on the Somme as well. So I made sure, after our first two weeks of training, I pretty much thought, I can't be living here like an Arras the sun was quite far away, you couldn't get a bus, you couldn't really get a train either. And I went back home in a day, got my car, and brought it back and I still say it's one of the best things I did. And on one of my first days off my own, I pooped down to Hawthorne Crater, and that's where I met at that time. All the archeologists were there. Everyone was excavating, they were um, doing the historical kind of foundations for the crater. And um, I then went into Titval Wood after meeting all these people. And some of the guys recognised me because of my intern boots. They gave me the best walking shoes that you can imagine. And I then got invited after I described this to my mum in a text to kind of joke with her. I went, hi mum, I've just met some men in the woods and I'm now going down some tunnels with them. And left it at that. She wasn't impressed. But... (laughs) And I went down to and Court tunnels with them, and it was the most phenomenal kind of experience because I just kind of put myself out there a bit publicly with the history. And I learned so much from all of them one single day. And still now I'm very much connected with the Hawthorne Crater lot as well. Um, I was very lucky, as well as an intern, to kind of work with, I'm a big rugby fan, as I believe you are as well, Paul, um, work with a charity called Rugby for Heroes. So on the Tip Bar Memorial, I think there was about nine international rugby players on there and I managed through Twitter to work with the memorial and get Mike Tindall and his rugby lot to come out to tip out a part of their charity circle ride where they went from Twickenham to Compiègne, and they came and visited us and that was a really another fantastic project to be a part of because it applied the history of the First World War to kind of a bit of a passion and a different area for me. So, the only time I then had rugby fans who'd come out, and especially kids, I found it was a really unique way to engage them and to kind of like tap into people's interests as well. Um, but with the centenary, we were so lucky to have so many different events come to the memorial. And in terms of like, bands, it was so odd. We were always really, really excited by bands because it was something really different. So you'd hear the music and you'd be like, oh, they're coming, it's so it was a lovely event to be a part of. And on one occasion, I remember we had all these bands there and we were really like, oh, what a lovely day. To find out we were so you know, engaged with these people, we didn't even realise that Peter Jackson was on the memorial, we'd completely ignored him. And I think that was always a bit of a, oh, a gripe for us all. Um, and one of, my, I think, my favourite moments was, I walked onto the, twice actually, walked onto the memorial thinking, what's that noise? And in one of the archways, a man had just sat up a chair, and he sat there playing cello. And that was just, it echoes through that memorial, and it was an incredible, poignant moment. And the same with a school, a bunch of school kids come and set up their own orchestra, and you just it just took you by surprise because the music was so poignant and you just found yourselves looking up at this memorial and people always ask, how do you deal with your emotions? And you do get to a point where you're kind of like repeating your tours and repeating your content a lot of that you blur out the emotions, but those kind of with the music and just, that brings you down back into the memorial and God, some of us girls, and I know the boys did as well, we all just had a good cry because it, we were constantly we said surrounded by death in that essence and you knew what an important job we were doing in terms of keeping their memories alive and really
0: kind of providing this education, especially for the next generation. Olivia, you're someone who has studied history at university, both as an undergrad and then again as a postgrad. So, you know, you, you make the assumption here that history is something that's important to you. So why is that? Why why is history important?
1: I just think history it is who we are. I think you can pinpoint any moment in history and really bring it back to today. For me, I'm just so utterly fascinated about what happened in the past because there's so many elements of it that are around us still. And we kind of, I think you go to a day-to-day life and so you don't really acknowledge it. Like you can see this beautiful building but not know the context or the significance even behind it. Or, you know, I live in quite an old town. I still really to this day don't know the huge significance of what it used to play years and years ago. And I know it was because it's a huge fishing town. And that's, you know, shaped who we are as a society now. And I think for me as an undergrad, I went into it, I would say, with a very narrowed history, like historical knowledge. And my undergrad opened me up to so much. I think it really engaged my historical knowledge and passion even more, because I went from the kind of, as I class them, the kind of popular histories of A-level. So you're looking at the rise of the Nazis or kind of all the Vietnam and all the other stuff that the, you know, the syllabus is set at you, which are still equally important to learn and understand, but degree, I found gave you a real kind of worldwide perspective of history and what it means to kind of different people in different countries. So then when I was say going to Europe, I had this fantastic understanding of the early modern period and how really that shaped the, what they call the, you know, the industrial revolution. And then here we are now. And I always think one of my favourite modules in history as as an undergrad was, um, it was called The History of Chimneys, and we had that lecture and hands down all of us just kind of looked at each other and thought, this is not going to be interesting. And all of us afterwards were like, that was hands down one of the best lectures we've ever had because he, comp- our lecturer, Justin Colson, actually completely transformed our idea of how kind of just one simple thing as a chimney transforms society, a culture, and how we live, and to me, I just find that utterly fascinating, and like we even had another one, it was like the history of weather. And again, I was a bit like, oh, God, how, how are you going to make this into a lecture? And afterwards, that was one of the, one of the stay kind of home lectures I think I had because you understand how it was more like a correlational study in the sense that bad weather could have bad crops, people aren't happy, rise up against the king and queen kind of thing. And you've got this kind of cycle of how it can impact society. And it wasn't something I'd really thought about before. But then now, as a farmer's granddaughter, Completely, I understand how it could impact society and why certain events may have happened. So, I think history is just so important. It should never be disregarded as a subject. It really is who we are. It shapes, I think, and impacts so many other subjects as well, people don't realise. The only reason I was able to ever do well in English at school is because one of my teachers taught me context. And when they contextualised English literature to me, because like I said before, I could not get my head around fictional things, then she put it in terms of context and I understood everything. And I think history has such an impact in, you know, today, obviously, look at what we're doing with COVID, we're completely comparing it to the Second World War. If that didn't have Second World War happened, what would we be comparing it to? It's in terms of understanding today, and I think
0: that's why it's so poignant. And Olivia, just before we we finish up, um, just curious, something I've been asking other people too. If if you were speaking to a young person and they were telling you that they were interested in a career that was related to history, what advice would you give to them?
1: I would 100% tell them to follow it. Like, if it's your dream, if it's something you believe and are interested in, you've got to do it. Life is so short to not follow your dreams and not do it. I mean, every decision I've made in terms of my career have always been driven to do with history. I've always said I'd rather be employed than do a job that's not involved with history because it completely defeats the object of where I've gotten myself to. I think I would say to them just to be like, you've got to work hard, obviously, because hard work will pay off from the end and you will see results. And it will be exciting, because if you're so interested in a subject, and if you take it to higher education, you'll meet different people, you'll learn different topics, which might take you off on different tangents, what you expected, but it's exciting. Any opportunity, I think, that could come, you've got to go and take it, you've got to search for it, because it won't be, you know, given to you at all. History is a very niche kind of career base, People aren't offering out jobs, you really have to go and hunt for them. There's something as when I finished uni, I was very kind of, I would definitely say that kind of post uni depression because I just didn't know what to expect, I didn't know what to do for months. I was looking and applying for jobs and there was nothing. And it was really kind of disheartening thinking, oh, am I going down the right career path? Is this the right decision I made? And, you know, when you go through those lows and you kind of question yourself, that's when I think you can't hire because without a doubt, something will just miraculously turn up, and it will. And like, if, I always think if you're passionate and it's what you love, you have to do it no matter what.